0: We are in the book of Ephesians, We're just about to hit halfway here, in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the general audience of whoever will hear him, whoever can hear him, this is an introduction to Christianity. This is kind of Jesus 101. What is it all about to follow Jesus? Which is even critically important to know that because this is not written to a group of special kind of elite kind of Navy SEAL leaders who have access to God that we don't. And so, as we looked at last week, some of the incredible great news coming from Ephesians 3, 11 to 22, is that through Christ... Each and every single one of us can have bold and confident access to God, access to the personal love of God. And th- that right there, that, that is, that's, that's the greatest news ever, is it not? I mean, that is the greatest news ever. That it's not the love of God, to have a real relationship with God, that is not for a small, select, elite few. Paul's writing to anyone and everyone who hears, and in Christ, we can all have, and this is direct language from Ephesians 3 that I'm attempting to quickly summarize, (laughs) bold and confident access. Bold and confident access to God. I mean, that's like the number one human question. Do we have access to God? can we be with god are we in relationship with god are we right with god can we know god is god close does god care all of those things are about access to god and so paul's incredible news is in christ we can and do and should have bold and confident access to god in a way that's so personal so real so close Our experience of God will be ever-expanding. That's where that famous passage comes. The height and the depth and the breadth and the length of God will be encountered. You know those things. They're not intellectual experiences. They are deep, as he says, in your inner being encounters with God. Very personal. Very real. And that leads to what Paul says, this glorious wow. God is able to do abundantly beyond what he even ask or imagine. That's the abundance, an overflow. As you encounter God, the personal love, so much your life begins to overflow. And the reason why that's important is because Paul, for today, it's important for it's the greatest news in the world. But as we get into chapter four, Paul says, therefore, to start it off, which means he's saying, everything I just told you about the love of God. Therefore, you're going to put it into practice as you encounter God. You've got access to God. He changes you. You know that personal love. It fills you up in abundance to overflow with something. So this is where he's going. You overflow with something. As you encounter the personal love of God, it makes you into a powerful person that overflows with stuff. And so here's what he's going to tell us what that stuff is. So here we go. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I therefore, so this is kind of that given everything I've just said about that access to God, that personal love, that overflow and abundance. Therefore, I urge you to walk or to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, to walk in a manner worthy of calling Jesus Lord, that's a big phrase that Paul has said, To walk in a manner worthy of saying, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yep, Jesus is in my life. Yep, Jesus is changing me. I mean, that's right there. Whoa. Now we're talking about some big stuff. This is our identity. This is who we are in Christ. And Paul's saying to walk in a manner worthy of it is to do what? One thing in here. There's There's one main verb that cherries the whole thing. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Now, we get some other kind of how-tos and adjectives around it with humility and gentleness, patience. We'll get to that stuff. But in this passage, it's kind of shocking to me, honestly. If we're, if, if we're going to think about one primary way to live our life in a way that is worthy of saying, Jesus is my Lord. Paul's focus right here is that we are eager to maintain unity in the spirit. I mean, have you ever deeply connected your eagerness for unity with whether or not you're walking in a manner that's worthy of being called a follower of Jesus? Or is unity kind of a a side issue, a side note? Uh, Maybe I'll get to it someday. I don't know. It's for other people. In this passage, Paul is emphasizing that (laughs) unity in the bond of the Spirit. And to be eager for that unity is one of the primary ways for us to be living out our calling. To be called worthy of being followers of Jesus. So that's, he just put unity way up here, way up here. And that word eager, it means it's an it's a effort word. It's not just an ideal, it's a kind of in the trenches effort. It can, it's translated do your best be diligent make every effort i mean it's one of those words that there's just no way around it this is one of those things that's on us this is our responsibility this is god is saying i'm looking for you to respond to what i've done in your life with a diligent effort it's intense One other place this word comes up that helps show that is in 1 Thessalonians 2.17. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned, so this is Paul writing to another church, and he's saying, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Can you feel the emotion in that verse? He's saying, when we were separated from you, it made us feel like we were orphans. That's strong language. I mean, have you ever missed somebody so much? Like, this, this is heart sick. Like, we got separated. Haven't been able to see you. I mean, a lot of us, it's interesting. It says in person, not in thought. So, I mean, all of us have probably this past year felt that. Oh, my, I miss that person. I haven't been able to see them in person. My heart is sick. I'm lonely. This hurts. I don't like it. Paul's. That's exactly what he's expressing. We, we miss you. We were orphaned when we had to be separated from you. This is intense, emotional longing. And what does he do? He says, so we are making every effort to see you. I'm doing whatever I can. So just put yourself in those shoes. And someone that you intensely long, you miss, you're heart sick. What's going on inside? I'm going to make every effort. You know, some of you this year have been like, I don't care. I'm breaking the law to go and see you. I'm making major effort. That's, that's the sense of this word. Are you just sitting back and being like, oh, maybe if, if, if it comes to pass, it comes to pass. If not, eh, we'll see in a few years. This is a sense of, This matters to me. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to be diligent with effort. That's the word. And this is the word, the same. This is what Paul is saying. Make every effort to maintain unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's got to be on our mind. We've got to be almost like heartsick for it. We've got to be longing. We've got to want to put in the work we've got want to do what it takes got to be diligent and Paul connects all of that to this is how you walk in a manner worthy of calling Jesus your lord fight for unity and it starts in here that's the main thing he's saying be eager unity out here starts in here. Do you want it? Is it valuable to you? Or are you okay, okay with, uh, well, that, I don't like that person. They've got that piece of theology wrong. Uh, they got an issue in their life. Oh, they got some serious problems. At wrong, wrong, wrong. Division, division, division. We're, you know, it's easy to do that. We all have the spiritual gift of seeing each other's problems. And so does the devil. So let's not get too, uh, you know, Excited about our gifts in that area. It's not a spiritual gift. I'm kidding. It's one of just the easiest kind of low base, not redeemed qualities that all humans have. I can see everyone else's problems. Wow, good for you. So does the devil. And he loves to point them out. He's probably helping you. Because the devil lives in division. It's what he's been doing from the beginning. He's dividing Adam and Eve. He's dividing Cain and Abel. Jesus said said it himself. House divided cannot stand. So that was his own defense when people were accusing him of casting out demons by the power of the devil. He said, how is that possible? The devil's all about division. I'm not partnering with the devil. I'm I'm doing work that destroys the devil. He's the one that divides. So we get into some deep things with Paul here where he challenges us. Do you want it? How much do you want it? Are you heartsick for it? Are you fighting for it? Are you diligent? Is it in your mind a A-level priority that God wants me to fight for unity? And, and, it, and it makes me think, it makes me wonder, why, why is unity in the spirit so crucial? And I love how the Bible does this. So many times over and over. I ask that question in, in my own study, in my own prayer time. And I love how the Bible is so good at answering the question most of the time right in the context. And so it's like you just got to read either before or after or remember what you've already read. That's why a lot of times it's, you know, we get overwhelmed with what's Paul's whole message? We're in chapter four, but I forgot what was in two. And that's okay, but that's part of why God's word is so rich and we can continue to come back to it. Because there's, there's just so much, and in this case, it's the connectedness of it. Because if I'm, ask, I'm asking a deep question, why does unity so, matter so much, God? I read back, and in chapter 2, this, that incredible passage where it says, Jesus was on the cross to break down walls of hostility between God and humanity and between one another. And as if you were not here, the greater emphasis on that passage is actually how Jesus was on the cross to break down the walls of hostility between one another. It includes us and God, but we get that. And that's kind of the easy one, right? Jesus made it possible, reconciled us with God. Amen. But in this passage... emphasis is how Jesus broke down those ancient walls of hostility to create one new humanity in Christ. There's the unity picture. It's coming. So it's Jews and Gentiles. But as we saw in this passage, it's way bigger than one racial and ethnic divide. This is God's heart for breaking down All of the ancient walls of hostility that exist then and now because of sin, in order to create one new humanity. So, there's the unity picture that Jesus, here's another layer of how important it is Jesus was on the cross to make unity possible, to create one unity, I mean, that's the same, you know, root word there, one and united, to create one new humanity in Christ. And now look where it goes at the end of that passage. In Ephesians 2.22, we saw, remember we talked about how that walls come down, barriers come down through the cross and the cornerstone. So the cross is where Jesus put it to death and where he calls us to carry our cross and put those walls of hostility to death. And then we get rebuilt on the cornerstone. Little by little, God builds us in unity together and and here's why. Here's the, why is this so important? Ephesians 2.22. In Christ, you are being built together, together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In other words, unity is where God's manifest presence dwells most richly. I mean, it's almost like, what? But but I've got the Holy Spirit in me. So God dwells in me. The Bible says, uh, you know, we are now a temple, his temple, he dwells. Yes. So that's true. So I'm not saying, and the Bible doesn't say that God's not with you. It just says he's going to be more with you when you're unified with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why does Jesus say, when two or three gather in my name, I am there? Is he not there if you're flying solo? Well, yes, he is. In fact, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he's with you when you're solo, but there's way more that he's with you when you are two or three or more in his name. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. In him, you... Now, let's remember the context of the you in, verse, in Ephesians 2.22. You, Jews and Gentiles, that's who he's named in this passage. So you, who you two groups who have hated each other and gone to bloody war for centuries, you two groups who those walls of hostility Jesus went to the cross for to break down and destroy their spiritual power so that you two groups, but now we've seen it's bigger, so in him, back to verse 222, you, groups that had ancient hostility, you two are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I mean... It's, it's startling. It's startling. Whoa. Like, I'm missing something if I'm not working hard to build unity and break down walls. What am I missing? I'm missing the dwelling place of God. Not in its fullness. Again, I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Like, yes as we give our life to Christ, we trust in Him as our Lord and Savior. We are born again. The, the dwelling of the Spirit is in us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But there's so much more God is saying when we grab onto God's heart for that one new humanity, that un- unity in the body of Christ, and get eager. There's, there's, there's good news. Get eager. Why? Because as you fight for it, as you, as you make every effort, as you're diligent, as you are longing for this and you work toward it, you are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I mean, that's that dwelling place for God, for for the Jews hearing this, this is the temple. (laughs) The most sacred, holy place where God's presence is manifest. Dwelling place, tabernacle. It's where God dwelled. That's John 1:1, where it says John the first chapter in John, where it says, Jesus made his dwelling place among us. It's the word tabernacle, the tent. He tented among us, God's presence. So this this is the rich Jewish history here of God dwells in the tabernacle, in the temple. That's where his presence is found. That's what we all want to be in, is his manifest presence where he's showing up in ways that just rock our world and change us, give us bring us to our knees in awe and worship and, and cleanse us and forgive us and heal our hearts and bring joy and, and, and just, wow, God, you're amazing. Guess what? That's what heaven's going to be. The manifest presence of God, unfiltered. And, and, and Paul is saying, right now, you can built into a tabernacle, a temple, a dwelling place together through your efforts of unity. That is, I don't know about you, but that, that is convicting and motivating, especially when you get the contrast. If unity is where God's presence, God's manifest presence dwells, and the contrast is that the devil dwells in division, then it's like, okay, now you're starting to make me eager, God. (laughs) Now you're starting to get me seeing the the power, the importance, and you're motivating me to say, I got to move this up on my priority list. And then it gets real, because then I'm reminded that, wait a second, people are involved, and they bother me, and they don't always think like I think, and they have a different perspective and emphasis at times, even as good Christians, and their politics can be different too, and that (laughs) let's see what Paul had to say about all that. Did he address it? Oh yeah, it was the first thing he said, he knows we're going to need it so as before he even gets to the be eager for unity he gives us the how do we do it he says i know it's going to be hard i urge you to walk in a manner worthy worthy of the calling that you have so be eager for unity we know that's what it is and so he says with all humility and gentleness and patience And all of our favorites, bearing with one another in love. Yeah, there's our top four, you know, faves. Paul starts with that because he knows that it's going to take work. Unity is not simple. It's forged through this kind of work where we've got to be able to Let the love of God that we've encountered, and here's where I love seeing the flow of Paul's thoughts, as he calls us to be really powerful people that overflow with humility and patience and gentleness and bearing with one another in love. You know, you, I used to look at those and be like, those are kind of like the, the weak ones, you know. It's like, oh, just chance. No. That's, those are powerful people. The ones who can bear with one another in love, or as a different verse says, let love cover over a multitude of sin. That's a powerful person that can see the imperfections or feel the imperfections and even feel that those little offenses that happen on a daily basis of being in life with people and be able to bear with one another. That's what that, he's saying. Bear with one another. Bear with them. I mean, what does that mean? He's like, I know that person causes you problems. Bear with them it's a call to be able to recognize that people are not perfect around you. We all recognize that people have their issues, they got their problems, they got their perspectives and it flows out onto you and and it, it can be hurtful and Paul's like I know all that. Can you bear with them? You're going to let that cause a division and disrupt the dwelling place of God. Between you. Now we can see where it's like, wow, no, you, you, this is going to take powerful people to do. And Paul, not coincidentally, says all of this flowing right after. So, this is the therefore. This flows right after Paul's glorious treatment of the reality that you and I in Christ can have bold and confident access to the personal love of God. To encounter God over and over in a very intimate, personal, inner being type way so that the story of your life, what's increasing in abundance is that more of the height of God's love was experienced and the depth and the breadth and the length to the point where you are starting to look back on your life and be like, Wow, God did and is doing above and beyond. What could I even even have asked or imagined? There's so much abundance. And Paul's like, awesome. Now here's where you put that power. Bear with that person that you don't like. Have humility in your interactions with them. Be patient. They're a work in progress. I know you're not anymore, but they are. They're a work in progress. Gentleness. Now, this is not to discount those other places that are very frequent in God's Word that talk about us speaking the truth in love. This isn't just absorb abusive behavior. That's not it at all. There's plenty in God's Word that talks about. Speaking the truth in love and creating healthy boundaries and speaking the truth in a way that, that makes the relationships good and healthy. And no, God does not want you to be a, just an a absorber of abuse. No, not it. But in the context, that's a whole other message we're not going to get into today. But in the context of that hunger for unity, to be eager to do the work of unity. It is going to take these things of humility and patience, gentleness, bearing with one another. So Paul's saying you got to know ahead of time that this, these are the things it's going to take. So you've got to be in a good head space. You've got to be in a good heart space. You've got to be in that abundant place where you're flowing. You're connected to God. You've had that fresh encounter of God's love. Why? Because it's going to take work then. To work with others to deal with others and forge and maintain that unity but it's worth it is paul's point it's got to be worth it it is worth it because it is the place where god's presence is going to be made known in a tangible way that you're not going to have if you're flying solo and so that's the motivation because how often we talk about that, God, your presence. We just want to live in your presence. We want to know your presence. We want to feel your presence. We want to walk in your presence and power. And God's saying, Aw- awesome, great. Here's the hard road where you've got to die to yourself along the way. That's the chapter 2, crossing the cor- cornerstone. Encounter God's love and then be overflowing to be able to work on and towards this unity. But it'll change things. A united people will have an aroma of Christ, a power of God's presence that, that, as Jesus said, I'm there. That's what it's all about. That's where all the good stuff happens. That's where the healing happens. It's forgiveness takes place. That's where the people outside of the walls of the church see an attractive, different, peculiar thing going on where they're real people, they're authentic. We're not trying to pretend we got it all together, but there's a love, there's a joy, there's a, there's a peace. This is where it really gets real. This is where you can see where Paul's like, okay, this walk in a manner worthy of saying you're a follower of Jesus. This is that a challenge point that, that really brings it all together. And it's not a one-time thing. That's why Paul says, be eager to maintain, keep. I mean, maybe there's the place where it's like, <laughs> be eager to want it. Uh, be eager to work for it. Be eager to forge it. And then once you've got it, work hard to keep it. So, I mean, there's there's places, that, and this, this can apply to so many different contexts. There's places where you don't need to maintain. It's not... You're not at the place where you need to work to maintain it. You're at the place where you need to work to get it. Right? It takes work to forge that unity. And now Paul's saying, and once you got it, we're not done. The devil's always going to be lurking and trying to divide. So we want to be aware of his schemes and know God's heart that we want to work to maintain it. And so whether this is in the home, whether this is at work, whether this is in the church, whether this is outside of the church, we've got to believe that as we work towards unity and work to maintain unity, that God's presence is going to be made known in a way that glorifies Jesus and draws people to him. And I want to close with just a a, fun example. So this last Thursday, as many of you know, because you were there, and it was awesome to see the participation level in midweek, midday. We were able to help organize and plan and lead a national day of prayer service that we invited the city to, and we invited the mayor and city councilwoman, Lisa Sobek and the police chief, and they all came and participated, and the police chief gave the keynote address, and the mayor prayed a prayer for the churches and the pastors and the leaders, city councilwoman Sobeck, mayor pro tem, vice mayor, whatever the proper term is, she prayed a prayer for all the families in the city, there was a number of other pastors and leaders, Ryan did a great job leading with the band and the music, and we're happy. <laughs> we had an outdoor church service <laughs> for the city leaders. I mean, it was like, wow, God, thank you for the work that you are doing through the unity that is being and has been forged and maintained. And, and the fruit of it was, was shocking. It was another one of those things where it's like, is this really going to happen? Is this going to go terrible? Are there going to be terrible protests? Is this, is, is this just going to, you know, is the city going to get uh, torched online for how inappropriate this is and shut us down and shut it all down? And, and I just want to read a couple quick testimonies that just give a further fire in my belly to say at any level, whether it's in the home, it's in the church, it's out building relationships in the city where unity and the effort that it takes is worth it because God's presence will be known. So there was, this is the the city councilwoman Lisa Sobeck's response uh, on, on Facebook. So this is public, so I'm not sharing anything that she didn't share with the whole world, I guess. Uh, so she reposted a post of the day, and, and this is a publicly elected city official. Let's put that picture up there of, of uh, the group that's praying for one another up there, just as a nice little backdrop. So if you weren't there, that is the police, the chief of police of our city of 100,000 people, Pat Walsh. On the right is Mayor Bill Zimmerman. On the left is Mayor Pro Tem Lisa Sobeck. On the far left is Pastor Gregory per- Perkins from the View Church. So this was personally this was one of my favorite moments of the day uh, as the police chief tweeted out uh, on, on uh, Instagram, and it's just like all this stuff, like so weird a world we live in. Like, I'm like, okay, I got to check Instagram. I got to check, like, blah, 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 blah. can't we just talk to each other? But this is, <laughs> this is where we are. But this is cool because, I mean, okay, so this is the police chief who is a city employee. And right afterwards, he tags us in, a, in his Instagram post, and he puts this, that picture up. And he says, today, I had the honor of speaking and Praying at the 70th National Day of Prayer event. The event was very inspiring. And when the View Church pastor, Greg Perkins, and he, in quotes, my, or er, uh, in uh, parentheses, and my friend, Greg per- Perkins, prayed and had the mayor and mayor pro tem put their hands on me, I was moved and humbled. There might have been some sunscreen in my eyes. In other words, he's saying he had some man tears. We live in a great city, and God has blessed us with great community. Hashtag Menifee is different, National Day of Prayer, Menifee, California. So that's one, a public official. Now let's go to Lisa Sobeck. Her comment was, quite simply, she retweeted that thing or whatever and said, I was in a spiritual high all day. The feeling of unity... At this national day of prayer was something I will always remember. What is she saying? She is saying God's presence was felt. What's that awesome verse? In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Unity is where God dwells most powerfully. So our city councilwoman, Lisa, shares that. And then this one rocked me. The city of Menifee, the public government entity, the city of Menifee put out this post. With all these pictures, you can go back to that one if you want and just kind of see the post. I know it's hard to read, so I'll read some of it here. Uh, They put up like 10 pictures of the day. Menifee Central Park made for a beautiful backdrop as city leaders from local churches, government, schools, and businesses gathered. Let's just stop right there. Yeah. Some of y'all get that. A public city government entity is celebrating a public gathering of leaders, city leaders from churches, government, schools, and businesses. Right there. The fact that it's celebrated is a hallelujah. Since 1952, first Thursday in May has been designated National Day of Prayer, inviting people of all faiths to pray for the nation. As noted by Pastor Casey Crawford, blah, blah, blah. It's a special day when our cities can come together and pray for the continued well-being of our city He coined the hashtag, Menifee is different, to highlight the unique and special place that's Menifee. Here's what's important. Then they say, we agree. (laughs) The city agrees that it's special and important to come together and pray for the well-being of our community. I don't even know if that's legal. The city was honored to have our mayor, our mayor pro tem, and the chief of police as featured speakers. The city was honored to go and pray and have the leaders of the city praying. Menifee, hashtag Menifee cares, hashtag Menifee's different, National Day of Prayer, Menifee knew better best, hashtag calm unity. And so it's community, calm is in lowercase, and then what's in capitals? Unity. Calm unity. The city is celebrating that there was a unity that took place where it was like something special. And and something special is going on here. You know, kind of like where there's almost like it has to be celebrated because, here's my language, because God's presence was there. And it was so good that we have to say something good about it. And like we don't necessarily have all the language to, you know, describe exactly what was happening and stuff. But but there was something special going on. We agree. And so for me, that's one of these celebrations that as we continue to work, to maintain, to forge relationships, positive relationships of unity, Can we really believe God's word that through that, God's presence is going to dwell in the city in a special way that it wouldn't otherwise if we were just all going about our own solo missions? Because that's what it took. This wasn't about a church or any church. This was about a lot of churches coming together, a lot of city leaders. No churches were even named. This is Menifee Interfaith, faith leaders, Etc. city leaders, and it's just saying we're all laying down titles to come together in unity, in Christ. And, and it is shocking to me in this day and age where we can have the government saying something special happened there. Good job. We like it. Let's have some more of that. And so for me, it's just so encouraging as a church. A lot of you guys participated in various ways and behind the scenes and, and do those kind of things. This is, this is Ephesians 4 lived out. It's in the home. It's within the walls of the church. And then it's, God, give us those strategic ways to get outside the walls of the church and build those positive relationships so that as we work together, the city somehow feels your presence dwelling and drawing, being drawn to you, Lord Jesus. So let's let's pray on that note. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help, Lord. Let's just sit and listen for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, where is the Holy Spirit inviting and challenging you to be eager to do the work of forging and maintaining unity. Maybe it's one person in your life. Maybe it's a particular area in your home or in your marriage with your kids at school and work in the church right here on part of maybe part of the ministry team that you work with or just some relationships Maybe it's out in the world in areas of influence that God's given you. Let's just sit and listen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just reveal your heart right now for each one of us. Where are you inviting us to step into your heart for unity in greater measure? I will sing a new song, I will sing a new song, I will dance a new dance like David.